Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. <clears throat> Jesse will be back on Monday. He's getting mending, getting better with his health each day. Thanks be to God. Thank you for your prayers. Keep them coming. Today I'll have my special guest, Father Charles Murr, author of the book Murder in the 33rd Degree, the Gagnon, the Cardinal Gagnon investigation that took place many years ago. <clears throat> and so we're going to have a good conversation. We're also going to be talking about the balance of love and correction, according to Terry Barber. No! Father Mert, no! St. Gregory. He's got some interesting comments to make. I think the church should heed this great saint on that topic. Also, I'm going to at least mention something that is not common. Archbishop Newman, he's he's criticizing the Holy Father for supporting pro-abortion politicians like Biden and Pelosi. Now, he's in charge of pro-life for the whole country in the Catholic Church, <clears throat> so that's pretty bold of him. But I think it, you have to be bold to protect unborn babies. Also, uh, I'm going to get Father Murr's comments about back to the 60s. The Pontifical Academy for Life is pushing for a departure from the doctrine on contraception. It's not only 50 years ago. The perennial teachings of the Church was always against it, and now <clears throat> we're having some, I call them modernists in the Vatican that are trying to separate themselves from what Paul VI said, St. Paul VI. So we got to really pray for our leaders in the church. And as I've always said, and recently I've been pointing Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18, I tell people I'm not in management, I'm in sales. But the point of it is, the good Bible says, if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you do not warn them, or speak out to dissuade the wicked from their evil conduct in order to save their lives, then they shall die for their sin. But God says, I will hold you responsible for their blood. This is why we continually speak out on the perennial teachings of the church, because it's part of our duty. As lay people, Canon 2.12 says, we're supposed to let our pastors know our concerns. My big concern is, that we continue with that perennial apostolic teachings of the church. Father Murr is here. I see him on the screen. Father Charles Murr, welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Thank you, Terry. How are you doing? I'm blessed by the best, okay? Good. I, I truly am. Good. And, you know, Father, there's so many crazy things that are going on in the church and in the world. It's just kind of nice to be able to get you on the phone and say, Father, what's going on? What can we talk about? You know, what we talk about is how we can stay faithful to Christ and his church. That's the most important thing, getting to heaven and bringing as many souls as possible. As Bishop Sheen always said, if souls are saved, everything is saved. If souls aren't saved, nothing is saved. So, Father... You know, Terry, I was just I was just uh, recollecting uh, uh, about a boxer that I met years and years ago. Okay. And his famous phrase to me was, don't take your eyes off the prize. Oh, I love that line. You know, don't take your eyes off the prize. Yep. That was it. And, and you know, if, you, if, we, if we just keep in the forefront of our minds the idea of salvation, heaven, being with Christ, being with all the saints and angels, being with God yep. in heaven, you know, come on. Don't, don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of that. And that's, that's why it. I always say, who do we worship? Jesus Christ. Not you, Father, not a bishop, not even the Pope. Right. We worship Jesus right. Christ. Well, I right. want to, before we get to the topics, I love 
uh, having the gospel read, and I love your commentaries because they're very practical yet deep. So, Father, if you could be so good, we call it our soul food, the gospel of today, chapter Matthew chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. Could you read that and give us a little exegesis? Oh, my gosh, Terry, I've got, I've got Matthew 5, 13. Well, 19. I'm all mixed up. I, I think I got... I got, but but you go ahead and read Matthew five. That's a, anything. That's the sermon there of the mount. Go ahead. Let's let's read that. That's good. Okay. Uh, the Lord be with you and with thy and with spirit. Your spirit. The reading of the holy gospel according to Saint Matthew. Glory, Glory to, to you, O Lord. Lord. You are the salt of the earth. Mm. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall it be salted again? How shall it be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trodden underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket. They put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until it is accomplished. Whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does them and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord, Praise Jesus, you, Lord Christ. Jesus Christ. Boy, that, Father, before you jump into that scripture verse, boy, if that's not appropriate, and also... What I mentioned about Ezekiel chapter three verse eighteen, yeah, I mean, can you can you read it? Read read that for me, please. Okay, would says, you Ezekiel? Yeah, it says, "If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade the wicked from their evil, conduct it in order to save their lives, then they shall die for their sin." But here's the kicker. Here's the cash value. But I will hold you responsible for their blood. Mm. That's pretty hardcore. That means that when we see someone in sin and we do not correct them as a loving, that tells me you love them when you correct them. If you don't, uh, you're condemning yourself. That's what that verse says to me, Father. Oh, no, and, and well said. Well said. And it's quite clear, isn't it? Mm -hmm. it's, also, it's, also, it's also one of the works of mercy. Of course it is. To admonish the sinners, to admonish the sinners. Well, you know, it, it's not. Hello. It's not to admonish. It's not to admonish somebody and say, "Ha ha ha, I'm better than you." No. That's not the idea at all, at all. The idea is out of love. Remember, Terry, I made, I made, and we've made in sure. the past the distinction between loving. That's right. And liking. Oh, excellent. And liking. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, and a lot of people get confused. They say, you have to love your neighbor. You have to love your enemy. And they get confused thinking that it's that our Lord is saying you have to like your enemy. He didn't say that at all. Nope. As a matter of fact, you cannot like your enemy an awful lot. But you've got to love them. Exactly. Well, just good distinction. Them, right? good. And, and therefore, an act of love 
an act of love is correcting people who are in error. I get a, I don't know, we've become, we become lax. We've also, we've, we've also become more than lax. That's not really the word. It's a, it's relativism, isn't it? Moral relativism. How many times have, have we heard, and it gets me crazy mm -hmm. to hear people talking about my truth. Oh. Doesn't that drive you nuts? Oh, does. My truth. Time. My truth, the, your truth. The, what? What happened uh, to objective no, it's, truth? It's, it's crazy. Yeah. And and this is this is the whole thing. So you say, well, my truth is this way. Your truth is that way. Respect my truth. I'll respect yours. Well, first of all, nobody respects <laughs> anybody else's truth. I mean, especially when the, the, the people that I've met on the left, I've never seen them respect, uh, respect exactly. the other side. But it's there's only one truth. Amen. There's only one truth. And whether you want to enunciate it and call that truth Jesus Christ or keep that to yourself for the while, while you're fishing a little bit, I don't like to come down heavy on people with religion when I'm first meeting them. Well, you have to establish rapport. Exactly. Be friend there. Exactly. That's the key. Exactly. You know that. I do. You know that. It's, it's getting to know people and, and getting to listen to Absolutely. them, to find out where they are. Amen. And having them listen to you to find for them to find out where you are. Yep. Then you can get into it. So, but there is only one truth, right. and that truth is Jesus Christ. We know that. Amen. Right? Okay. My truth, your truth, his truth, its truth. My goodness, what, what, what craziness. And therefore, when we hear all of those things, those th that way of speaking, that mentality, we are a little bit afraid of going in and saying, just a minute, there's only one truth. Look, have you been following? Have you been following the Senate hearings and the, and the House of Representatives hearing this last week? Yeah, a little bit. It is, it, it's, it's so crazy yeah. because you've got people talking about their truth. My truth, you're, you, no, you, nobody can decide anything, get to anything. It, the problem is that with all of that kind of talk, we're we're remiss. We're we're a little bit afraid of entering into dialogue with people, and 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 we don't want to get into conflict. Well, I guess that that's that's just part of the that's just part of the deal. We have to get into a little bit of conflict. Of course, Father, yeah. our Lord said that. Don't worry about what you're going to say, and when they put you on on in trial, because I'll give you the words. But you know, when we come back from the break, I have a quote from Fulton Sheen. It sounds like he was listening to our conversation because he's going to talk about a truth in a way that I think will elicit a affirm, affirming all of he, all of our listeners because he's going to have something to say that I think just is universal. He, like he usually says, this it, this was a truth he said sixty years ago, but it's because it's a biblical truth that it's going to be true five hundred years from now. You're listening yes. to the Terry and Jesse show. We've got Father Charles Kurt, uh, Father Charles Murr, author of the latest book that he's come up with, Murder in the 33rd Degree. You can get it online at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And I would you can call us at 877-526-215. And if you don't want to do it on the internet, stay with us, family. When we come back, we're going to start off with the Fulton J. Sheen quote that will knock you off your horse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show is right. Father Charles Murr, 
Joining us here, author of the book, Murder in the 33rd Degree. We're going to get to a, that topic in a little bit, but I wanted to give a quote from Fulton Sheen. So let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now, Archbishop Sheen. He says this, he says, only those who live by faith really know what is happening in the world. Does it sound like it's in the 2022? Yes. He says, the great masses without faith are unconscious of the destructive process going on. Oh, really? Because they've lost the vision of the heights from which they have fallen. Now, Father Murr, he's nailing it. This is, was written 70 years ago. But you see, it's a true, it's a truth that he's preaching there. And he's saying to all of us, without the supernatural gift of faith, and obviously the faith right now in our church and in people is very, very low, but without supernatural faith, you miss so much in life. So I think Bishop Sheen nailed it. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, I think, it is, isn't it just this simple, Terry? Yeah. Without, without faith, yeah. without your vision, yeah. uh, your vision being complete, mm -hmm. and your vision being complete begins and ends with God. Yeah. Without that, it, we get back to the existential questions. Why are you here? Yeah. What are you here for? What, what, why are you here? What is your purpose? Yeah. And you, I think a lot of people, I know a lot of people today, think that they have no purpose. That's right. That it, there is no reason for which they're here, right? Um, I just listened to a debate. It's kind of an interesting debate. I would recommend it to you and, and to your, sure. your uh, listeners. Yeah. Uh, what is it? The, the, uh, what, are, what is their last name? Hitchens? Hutchins. The, the two brothers? There are two brothers, uh, uh, Peter... And I believe Michael Hitchin. Oh, Hitchin, yeah. They from they graduated from Christendom College. They're good guys. Yeah. Well, these are not from Christendom College. These oh, are Englishmen. Different guys. Different guys. They're, they're, one is an absolute atheist. Okay. These are two brothers. Okay. And the other one was an atheist who's now become a Christian. Oh, I'd like to hear that one. Yeah. And it's very, very good. And they came down to they came down to uh the debate is phenomenal. You'll find it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's very, very good. Uh, uh, and it's, it came down to this. They were talking about all the reasons for the existence of God, the non-existence of God, back and forth. And finally, the Christian brother, who's a recent convert to, to Christianity, and they're both very, very English. I mean, very, very English, very polished, fantastic vocabularies, mm -hmm. and on a, very, on a very deep intellectual plane. The, the, the believer yeah. of the two brothers simply said, it comes down to this. I now have meaning in my life. I didn't have that before. Well said. I'm a happy person today. Yep. I wasn't happy before. How do you argue that? Well, that's it. <laughs> this, is, this is a Victor Frankl. Yeah. The, finding, finding meaning in life. Great what book. is the meaning? Yeah. Well, the very fact of trying to find meaning in life is the search for God. Yep. God is the meaning in life. Yep. And 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 to avoid it, what a what a silly thing to do. And what a what a what an unhappy way to live the human existence, the human adventure. Anyway, that's my thoughts on the whole thing. I, I just it's it's so frustrating yep. to me that so many people don't get it. Yeah. They just don't get it. Well, and the more I see Terry, you correct me. Yeah, hit me. Have you seen? Have you seen a, a 
a level of happiness growing up in the world. Just the opposite, Father. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And everyone is doing his own will. Yep. And everyone is doing his own thing. And everyone lives his own truth. And you've never had a more unhappier planet. Well, Father, I'm going to shift gears with you. You know, you and I, when we we, we lay out a, a, a show, and then you and I always deviate. And we always say, well, it must be the Holy Spirit. I hope it is, because we just go off. But what you just said reminded me of something that I think we want to tell our listeners. You and I both, I mean, you're a few years older than me, but we remember life when it was much Yeah, just, just a couple, Terry. Just, just a couple. A couple. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being kind. No. Father, when you were growing up, let's see if I got you. Uh, you know, there were a couple stations like ABC, CBS, NBC. Okay. And um, uh, today, you know, there's just, uh, it's a different world. They've got 500,000 stations to go to. You know, we all watched the same stations when we were growing up. The Ed Sullivan Show, the Jackie Gleason Show. You've talked about this kind of thing you grew up with. But then, sure. but then, and you know, in the 19th, uh, the late 19th century, early 20th centuries, Families were big. You had a big family. Houses were small. You've talked about this. It sounds like I'm talking about you. And cars were few. Okay? Um, but think of the row of houses in big cities at that time. There was no TV, no air conditioning. So where did everybody go during the summertime in Minneapolis, St. Paul? They hung outside on the stoop, the sidewalks and the streets. All the neighbors knew each other. The kids played ball, other with other games while adults partied and had a few cold ones. They actually talked to each other, Father. Uh, there was no Amazing. need to schedule a block party. They happened spontaneously every weekend. Now, family members had several rooms to isolate. Now, today, what's the difference? <clears throat> Big houses and very few kids. And now they have all these, um, the, the iPhone, the TV. They can go and just talk to anybody on their phone, not in person. He makes the point how sad that is because what we're witnessing is a collapse of the common culture, Father, that you're talking about. People get their news and entertainment from all kinds of sources, and they're content to absorb themselves in their phone. They must have phones at all the time. There are other problems. Email is fast, effective way to communicate with others. But uh, is it easy to misinterpret someone? Uh, yes, when we do that. But when we are... With someone, we can pick up the facial expressions, the body language, and like, and we have an opportunity to get instant clarification. This is not true in an email correspondence, which is often uh, can be misinterpreted. So they call this the Generation Z, 1997 to 2012. It's the youngest segment of our adult population, the Zoomers. They're known for many things, but none more disturbing than the high degree of loneliness, and so many are experiencing it. And as a matter of fact, Father, girls at that age are so lonely more than even the boys. And uh, when I was a kid, he said that if I saw someone walking down the block with earphones, let's see if you could say this, and talking to himself, uh, I would attempt to be called an asylum. And now you look away. Similarly, when a young man took a train on a bus, people spoke to each other. I still do that whenever I'm on any public place. But because we are a captive audience, we all have to hear the conversation from these narcissists. So no wonder we are divided people. No wonder, no longer have we anywhere near the same common experiences. We have plenty of autonomy, but underside a lack of sense of community. And unfortunately, when that goes, much is lost. So I, am I on to something that we've lost, the idea of communicating eyeball to eyeball with people? Of course we have. 
Of course we have, that, that's 100% sure. Uh, I, I, let me jump in on this too, Terry. Hit me, I set you up, cool. Yeah, and, and I've, no, I've, I've noticed this about me, right? I've noticed this about me. What's that? Um, I, 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 and, and only recently I thought about this. Yeah. I listen, I listen on the computer. I, I'm not on the computer constantly all day. I, I, I've got other things more important to do. Yeah. However, when I do listen to YouTube or, or the news or something, I've, I, and it just occurred to me recently, yeah. I'm always listening to the same thing. Mm -hmm. Now, wait a minute. I'm always listening to the same viewpoint. Yes. Now, that viewpoint happens to be my viewpoint. Of course. Uh, for, for example, I don't think it's any, it's any surprise to anybody that I listen to Fox News. Of course. Right? <laughs> or Newsmax. Sure. I, I, I enjoy that. However, it's a little bit dangerous that. Because that's my only source that's the of point. information, exactly. that's and I'm and I'm not I'm not understanding what people who don't think like I do mm -hmm. are thinking. Yep. Yep. And the, the, and and nor do they understand me Vice because person. they're watching their and it's isolationism. That's right. Isolationism, and and, and this is what's happening. Yeah. We're all of us being look look at the country. Would you have imagined twenty years ago? We had the same kind of problems. We had abortion. We had pro-life uh, 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 manifestations. We had we had the same sort of tensions. Would you have imagined twenty years ago if you said the United States of America is is closer now to a civil war than it than it's than it's ever been? I would Good. not have. That's ridiculous. No. Yeah, ridiculous. Now I today see. I can today I can say that and mean it. Oh, absolutely, you can. And and the reason I can say it and mean it is because. We're not sharing any, we're, we're, nobody's talking to us. Well, that's the point of this right. article. Yeah. And Father- That's exactly it. Yeah. Father, I want to get into your book again, uh, Murder in the 33rd Degree, but I want to also just encourage everyone to read a article on the balance of love and correction, according to St. Gregory, by Monsignor Charles Pope. And the reason I want to bring this up, Father, is we live in a time right now, and I think you just nailed it a few minutes ago when you said- you know, people think that we like telling you you're wrong. I mean, are you in error? Mm -hmm. No, this is the loving thing to do. And St. Gregory points that out, that we have to properly rebuke sin and warn people of the coming judgment. I mean, that's so biblical. I didn't need a saint to tell me that because the Bible right. says that. Right. And it seems that even on the top levels of the church, we're hearing things that just aren't with the perennial teachings of the church. Like I mentioned before, um, the Pontifical Academy for Life is pushing for a departure from Humana Vitae and very clearly saying that we need to, you know, get rid of that. And that's not just Humana Vitae in 68. It's the perennial teachings of the church. We've always been against contraception. And so my question to you, and I think your book answers the question. I really do. I can talk about, you know, another newly appointed cardinal saying, that he's embracing, that we need to embrace the divorced people and the LGBTQ. I can talk about Archbishop Newman criticizing Pope Francis for supporting pro-abortion politics like Biden and Pelosi. But, you know, my question really is, we see a lot of dissent from the top to the bottom of the church. We hear it in our pews. I think your book gives a good explanation on how we got here. 
And so I would like to, when we come back from the quick break, I'd like to not just talk about these articles. I really would like to ask you to tell us about the genesis of your book. And for those who have never heard of it, let's just assume they've never heard of this book, Murder in the 33rd Degree. And then if you could share with us your explanation of what took place back, what, 40 years ago, 40-some years ago, and how it really is uh, important to understand what happened because much of what's going on today, especially inside the church, I think uh, will justify what you wrote in this book and say, okay, now I get it. So let's do that when we come back. You're listening to The Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Father Charles Murr, author of Murder and the 33rd Degree. You can pick it up by calling 877-526-2151 or go online to vmpr.org. This is a book that explains much of what's going on today in the church, and he's paying a price for publishing this book. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to The Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse's out. Father Charles Murr, author of the book, Murder and the 33rd Degree. I wanted to talk about his book, but I want to get some endorsements that our listeners would know. Dr. Janet Smith, professor, you know, philosopher, she writes, Father Murr provides firsthand account of the work of the remarkable Cardinal Gagnon did at the bidding of Pope Paul VI to expose, are you ready, the presence of Masons in the Roman Curia. That says a lot about the book. Also, one other person that I think says some nice things. Um, well, you know what, uh, Father, you got endorsements. I endorse your book. You know why? Because it's the truth. I mean, I've known you for a d- couple decades now, and I know that your love for the church is centered on Jesus Christ, and this book that you wrote um, really is exposing things in the church that some of us have kind of like thought, what's going on? Can you share with us the genesis of this book and how you came to know Cardinal Gagnon? Certainly. Thank you, Terry. Let me, let me do this first. Let me just uh, uh, a caveat. Okay. Uh, uh, to, to, to your audience, yeah. to your listeners. Uh, I am not a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I just am not. And as a matter of fact, the first time I heard from somebody, a serious person, mm-hmm. which which uh, which gave me some alarm actually, uh, that there was a there was a, a Freemason or Masonic presence in the Catholic Church. I laughed. I laughed. Yeah, of course. I thought that was. I thought. It, I, I just thought it. I thought it was ridiculous, mm-hmm. and I accused. I accused. He was a monsignor. I accused him of being uh, paranoid. I can understand why. Not schizophrenic. Why. No, no, not paranoid. schizophrenic, but paranoid. I get it. Paranoid. I get it. And his re, his rebuttal to me was he was an Italian, an Italian monsignor who worked in the Roman Curia. His rebuttal to me was he said, "You know, we paranoid types." have something over you naive types. Oh, that's true. And I said, what's that? And he said, we tend to outlive you. 
That's cute. He's right because he, they he, are watching over their over their their shoulder. They're watching their back much oh, yeah. more than we are. Yep. So let me just say that to your audience and to you. All right. I do not prescribe to uh, conspiracy theories. I do not. Right. Absolutely do not. And it took me years to really come to believe this. When I when I did, it was because the evidence was so compelling. I was in Rome as a student. 1971 until 1980, mm -hmm. so the decade of the 70s. And the long and the short of it was uh, I met a, a, a man who was pivotal in my life, just a, a, a fantastic influence in my life, Monsignor Mario Marini. Mm -hmm. Mario Marini was the, uh, he was a Monsignor in the Secretary of State, a secretary to, to Paul, Pope Paul VI. Through him, in 1974, I believe it was, I met uh, then Archbishop Edward Gagnon. Okay. Edward Gagnon was uh, is a Canadian, was a Canadian, uh, French Canadian, mm -hmm. and uh, we got to talking. We found out that that we had some relatives in common uh, on my mother's side. And anyways, oh. good, a beautiful man, a beautiful man, a very intelligent man a very strong man. And if I may say so, yep. a man's man, I love a man's it. man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was, he was a fanatic of baseball, of American baseball. Oh, that's funny. He used to, he, when he was a young priest, he used to come down from Canada and he was stationed at a, uh, in Queens. Oh, New York. He was a, a, a Salpician, oh. Salpician. So I guess they, I guess they had a parish in Queens or they would work, they would do summer work while he was getting his doctorate at Laval University. And he always tried to, to finagle getting the, the parish, <laughs> the, the nearest to, to Ev's field oh, so that he can watch the Dodgers. He was an avid do oh, Dodgers that's fan. That's great. I didn't know that. Loved it. Anyway, I, I met this man uh, and we got to become very, very good friends. The three of us became very good friends. In 1975, <clears throat> and then you should understand this, Edward Gagnon, Archbishop Gagnon, was... Uh, assigned to Colombia, and then he was the the uh, the Bishop of Alberta, Canada, and then he was called to Rome to become the rector of the Pontifical Canadian College. Mm -hmm. That's when I met him, and that, I believe that was it was in 1974. Got it. And he and Marini, he and Marini became friends because Marini recognized that we have a great treasure in this man. Yeah. And Marini started asking him to write his legal opinions on certain matters that the, that, that pertain to the church, wow. which he did. Anyway, the, the long and the short of it was, you remember, and your listeners, your listeners will remember this, I'm sure, Paul VI, I believe in 1973, mm -hmm. made a remark. That's right. And it jolted, it jolted the, the, the Catholic community, those who were paying attention. Yes. To, the, to such things were jolted quite. And he said, uh, the smoke of Satan by some fissure, by some crack in the wall has entered into the sanctuary. Yep. Well, that kind of threw everybody. Uh, it, it, it threw me. Of course. I I said, what is this? What is this man talking about? The smoke of Satan. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, I, I've got to say this too. What was kind of shocking was this was not Paul VI's personality. No. This was not 
this was not typical of him. This was like coming out of left field. You used to have the expression. Yeah. He said so. Uh, and I came to understand why. There were, there were two cardinals who went to see the Pope, I believe in 1974, with documentation about certain members of the Roman Curia. The Roman Curia, for your listeners, is the Pope's government, mm -hmm. the Vatican government, the, all of the government agencies, sort of like Washington, D.C., our, our, our Catholic Washington, D.C., if you will. And the men who are responsible for all of the those the agencies and government uh, governmental departments in the Vatican were cardinals. Mm. All of them were, they, they still are. They headed that. Well, there were there were certain cardinals, one in particular, who was accused of being a Freemason. And it's not just, you know, it's not just the fact that he was a Freemason. It's that the entire philosophy, Freemasonic philosophy, which is anti-Catholic. Yep. I'm not going to get into it right now, but your listeners can can certainly look 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 it up on YouTube. There there was some um, is it Father Father Mitch Pacwa. Yes, you know Father Mitch yes, Pacwa, right? Of course, Jesuit, great, great man. One of the one of the one of the last the last great Jesuits mm -hmm. by my my. my by my standards, anyway. I agree. Father Mitch Pacwa gave a great conference on Freemasonry. Yep. And it's on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I would I would advise people to listen to that to find out what it is. It's very anti-Catholic. It is anti-Catholic because it's anti-Christ. It is it, it it has to do with nature. It has to do with, if you will, if you'll pardon me for saying so. I, I don't mean to sound to sound too uh, erudite, but. And, that, and I'm usually not accused of being too erudite to begin with, <laughs> but it's Gnosticism oh, yeah. from the first centuries. We know something you don't know. Right. We have secret knowledge. Yeah. And, the, and the Masons are a secret society. They are, in essence, I maintain, their own religion. Yeah. Now, what you should just know, basically, is that any Catholic who enters the society of the Freemasons is automatically excommunicated. Yep. Excommunication means he is cut off from the life of the church. And the only way to get to salvation is through the church. Amen. Right? Amen. We can have that, we can have that discussion for another day. But yep. uh, outside the church, there is no salvation. That's right. What does that mean? It's it's a it's a it's a good discussion for another day. But to be cut off from the church means to be cut off from salvation. Unless you repent before you die, you're already going to face God damned. This is the, the that's it. So you better have a good lawyer when you're when you're when you're facing God. If you're <laughs> a very good lawyer. Uh, anyway, all of this happened. The the proof of the, the membership of this particular cardinal was brought to, to the Pope's attention. He decided to act. And he did act. And he called Edward Gagnon to do an investigation, of, uh, an investigation of the entire Roman Curia. Mm -hmm. That investigation took three years, 1975 to 1978. Gagnon investigated everyone and everything in, in, the, in the Vatican. His life was threatened. His offices were broken into. 
his his uh, his rooms were broken into. Wow. Uh, th- to get all of the information that he had documented. Finally, for his own safety, Gagnon moved in with Monsignor Mario Marini and me. Uh, we lived in a residence uh, in in Rome, in a run by run by Lebanese nuns who were the great 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 people. You're part Lebanese, aren't you? I'm half Harry? Lebanese. Kifik, how are you? There, there, there you go. There you go. <laughs> anyway, <Yep>. Allah. <laughs> anyway, they, these these sisters were fantastic, and we were we were two priests in their house, uh-huh. and then Cardinal Gagnon came with us to live. For, wow. for security purposes. Wow. He did, he did this investigation and he brought the results of this investigation to Paul VI yep. after three years Yep. and told him, Holy Father, you have one particular person. There are many problems. One was the upcoming scandal. Gagnon told him this, scandal of the Vatican Bank. He said, it's, it's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. It's going to be major, and it's a, a tremendous scandal. And the idea of it was the Freemasons of Italy, the the, the lodge in Italy, P2, P2, Freemasonic Lodge, had decided to topple the Catholic Church's finances. One moment, Father. Wow, that's a teaser. We got to hear about that and also more about Father Murr's new book, Murder in the 33rd Degree. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse will be back on Monday, my good friend, and I call him my good friend, Father Charles Murr author of The Murder in the 33rd Degree. Father, you're at the point of telling us that the Masons, Freemasons in Italy, are going to topple the bank at, at uh, for the Vatican, and they did just that. So can you continue on? Because we have a segment, and I know we're going to have to have you come back once a month at least to finish up this, but I just want to say one thing. You mentioned that Cardinal Gagnon's life was threatened, and he had all kinds of issues. You had to move out. I just want to say thank you publicly for having the courage to put this into a book uh, before you are called to your eternal reward because um, this book exposes things that a lot of people are not wanting to have exposed. Matter of fact, I would imagine, Father, there are people in today's church that are going to deny that this investigation ever took place. Okay, let's continue, please. Terry, it's pretty amazing. I'm just telling you about an investigation that took three years. Yeah. And in those three years, yeah. Cardinal Gagnon and I, Gagnon was heading the investigation, mm-hmm. were very good friends. We lived in the same house together. Yeah. We went to dinner together. We, we did everything together. Oh, right? Yeah, close friend. Uh, um, uh, an author, yeah. not just last week, said to me, and not to, didn't say to me, because they, 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 a lot of people, they don't speak directly to you. He wrote a piece. He said, I, I have contacts in Rome. Uh, nobody has ever heard of this investigation. Yeah, I believe it. I believe they, they're going to undermine <laughs> you. Yeah, like, I said, I, what, are you telling me it didn't happen? Father, that's what, incredible. Father, that's yeah. what liberals no, no, do. No, no, it just it never happened. You're, it, like, like I'm inventing the, or yeah. creating this whole thing. I, it's amazing. But anyway. Continue, the, please. The, 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 the point was this. 
Gagnon finished a three-year study. It was intense. It was intense. And his life was threatened. Yep. I lived with him. I knew about that. Uh, and he presented the findings to Pope Paul VI, who shortly, this is three or four months before he died. And Pope Paul VI said, I can't do, I can't deal with this. Right. I can't deal with it. He said, leave it for my successor, mm -hmm. which he did. He died three or four months later. The successor, John Paul I. Now, this is very important because John Paul I is going to be beatified in September. Right. All right. Uh, why is he going to be beatified? I have my I have my theory on that. I do too. Uh, I well, I already expressed mine. Go ahead. But I'm not, I'm not going to express my the my theory on okay. that. But I have a theory on that, and I don't think it particular. Look, is John Paul the first in heaven? I have no question. I, mean, I think certainly he is. Yeah. Uh, all of all of these these good popes we've had we've been blessed with very good popes. We really have in modern times. I think they're I think they're all very remarkable men, and I don't doubt that they're all in heaven. I don't understand making saints of all of them, canonized saints. I'm with you. Heroic virtue. I, I, I'm, I'm not seeing that. What I am seeing is the, the need by some politically to bolster the idea of the Second Vatican Council as being you, absolutely. You took the words out of, that's exactly my position. Yeah. And this is, that, that's why I don't like this. I don't like, I don't like to use things like this. These are these are holy matters and yes. they're pious matters. Yes. Why use them for politics? But anyway, the, the man who's going to be beatified in September, John Paul I, uh, was told by Cardinal Gagnon. He received Cardinal Gagnon and received the study that Gagnon did. Gagnon said there were there were three things that were that were very important. One I'm not going to say. The other two were that the man who is in charge of the congregation for bishops is a Freemason. Wow, that's an incredibly important position. Secondly, there was going to be a toppling of all Vatican finances yep. as a way to topple the Catholic Church's center of power. The third thing I'm not going to say, it, no. it's, it was important, but I think it's, it would take us off, off, off the theme, the main theme. The Pope decided to act. He had to get rid of the, the man who was in charge of, of, of the Congregation for Bishops. What is the Congregation for Bishops? There is a cardinal who investigates any candidates who are future bishops. The nuncios, we have ambassadors. The church has ambassadors all over the world. Those ambassadors send to Rome uh, different possible candidates, priests, who would make good bishops? Mm -hmm. The man in charge of making the bishops of all of in all of the world was a Freemason. Does that explain and this it? The, the, and this is the documentation. The documentation was cl clear cut. It was his name was Sebastian Baggio, B A G G I O, and he was in charge of the congregation for bishops. Uh, you know, Larry, you you and I have both both read a, a very good recent book by uh, Julie uh, Melone. Is it Melon or Melone? I'm not sure. Uh, uh, um, oh, for goodness sake. The San Gallen, San yes. Gallen Mafia. Mafia, sure. Right? Sure. In which she describes 
meetings that went on in Switzerland yep. of different cardinals of a group of a mafia of cardinals. They called themselves the mafia to elect the present Pope. I won't say anything more about that than that. That's the fact. But, but I will say this. One thing she failed to mention in her book, and it's an excellent book, by the way, and the research is, uh, is, uh, is, is praiseworthy. But one thing she forgot to mention or, or failed to mention in the book was that all of those cardinals at the San Gallen Mafia, who made that up, were all made bishops by Sebastian Baggio. Excellent point. Excellent okay. point. That's that's and that is the point. And he was he was he was making bishops uh, bishops who were very liberal minded. Of course, but wasn't McCarrick one of them? Also, yep. also, yep. exactly. Yep. These are the kind. These are the men that he made bishops, and he knew what he was doing. He knew very well what he was doing, and his idea was to cause a revolution in the church. And how do you cause a revolution in the church? You do that through its bishops. Of course. Why are, why, is, why are the bishops so important? Bishops are more important than priests. You can get rid of a priest. You don't like a priest. You can change him. You can, you can suspend him. You can throw him out. You can do whatever you want with him. You can't do that with bishops. They are successors of the apostles. And the Vatican and even the Orthodox are very, very, very protective of their bishops. They'll do anything to maintain those bishops of, because of their dignity as successors of the apostles. Now, when you've got a man who is all over the world naming bishops, and he's only naming bishops who have liberal yep. stances and tendencies, you're going to have problems. And this is, this is what the church is facing today. This is how we got where we are. This man was in charge of doing that for 12 very important years. He also was, he also was called in by John Paul I, and this is not in his canon, in his beatification process, I don't believe, from what I've read anyway. John Paul I, when he was elected Pope after the death of Pope Paul VI in 1978, <clears throat> John Paul I called Cardinal Baggio in and dismissed him from the congregation of bishops. That didn't go over well. No, it did not go over well. There was a shouting. Mm -hmm. Baggio yep. shouted. The meeting went on for, for almost an hour. And it was at it was in the evening because Cardinal Baggio was too busy to see the Pope during the day. Imagine telling Can you the imagine Pope, that? I'm too busy. Oh uh, yeah. I'm, I'm Holy Father, I'm sorry, I'm too busy. The Pope insisted on seeing him that day and received him close to eight o'clock at night. Now, nobody has a meeting with the Pope at eight o'clock at night. It's just it's not done. This was that urgent <clears throat> to get him out of the Vatican, out of that office, which was pivotal, very important. He offered him Venice. He offered to send him to Venice. Why Venice? Because Venice was vacant. Because of him. That's where the Pope was from. Exactly. It was, right? Yeah. He, and it was also because the Pope had his auxiliary bishops in Venice, who were good men, and he knew them. And on all the priests and clergy in Venice, he could keep an eye on Baggio. Wow. Right? That yep. was exactly it. Baggio refused to leave. Refused to leave. Shouting, shouting, shouting during the whole meeting. Yep. Left, upset, angry, stomped out of the out of the apostolic palace, 
after after 8:30 at night. And my contention, now this is this is theory. I don't know this for a fact, but I do believe this. The Pope had a bad heart. After the meeting with Cardinal Baggio, which Baggio told him off in spades, imagine insulting and telling the Pope off and leaving in a huff. That Pope died two and a half or three and a half hours later. Incredible. Of a heart attack. Incredible. Right? Yep. You, all right. This is what this is what happened. This is what I call murder in the 33rd degree. Cardinal Gagnon, I, I asked him, I said, do you think that the Pope was, was murdered? And he said, there are many ways of killing a man. That's exactly what was his answer. That's an incredible. It doesn't have to be direct, direct murder. Father, let me, ju- let me just jump in because you've got so much more to tell. And I want people to get your book, Murder in the 33rd Degree, because you well, you document Cardinal Gagnon's report. And you didn't get to the uh, what I consider really interesting parts. And I want to tease people by going to vmpr.org or calling us at 877-526-2151 to get the book. Because when we bring you back, I'm going to keep I'm going to stop kind of summarize and have you tell us in the next hour when we have you on the rest of this, because this is an incredible story. But again, it makes sense. All of this happening now from the perspective of history. And we can see that. I mean, you think about what Monsignor George Kelly wrote, the battle for the American church. Where is the church going? Where its leaders take them. So I can see that taking out the good guys and putting liberal Shepherdson has had a devastating fact on the church. It has. So it has. I want to uh, ask for your priestly blessing. If you could give us a, a Latin blessing, that would be grand. Certainly. Dominus vobiscum et cum spiritu vos omnipotens Deus Pater et filius et spiritus sanctus. Amen. Thank you so much, Thank Brother you, Terry. Terry. We'll see Thank you, you very next, much. Next month. Hey, folks, who do we have? Bishop Athanasius Snyder once a month. We have Joseph Strickland, Bishop Strickland, every week on VMPR. And now Father Murr, I've asked him once a month to come on. Why do I ask these guys? What do they have in common? Courage for the faith, love for the Christ. And I want to also say they have the faith that has been given to us from the apostles. And we need more ordained ministers like that. Father Murr, thanks again for joining us. Folks, upcoming next will be our pleasure. God love you. I want to also thank all those people who support us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. VMPR.org, thanks again, and God love you and your family. Full sheen ahead.